You're listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, a monthly podcast to help you take charge of your own health care and live a healthier, happier life. I'm Tom Tumbush. We like to focus on the heart in the month of February, and not just because of Valentine's Day. Uh, it also happens to be American Heart Month, when we encourage everyone to make lifestyle changes, however small, that can reduce your risk of heart disease. And to that end, my first guest today is Dr. Catherine O'Keefe from the top-rated TriHealth Heart Institute. Uh, now, she knows quite a bit about the heart. She specializes in coronary bypass and valve replacement surgery, as well as other procedures relating to the lungs and esophagus. And whenever possible, she favors minimally invasive surgical procedures that use small incisions instead of cutting open the chest. And that allows patients to have a much easier and quicker recovery. Welcome to the studio, Dr. O'Keefe. Glad to be here, Tom. I also want to welcome Charles and Elizabeth Chadwell, both recent patients of Dr. O'Keefe. Welcome to Health Talk, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Dr. O'Keefe, let's start with you. Um, Heart-related health issues are the most common cause of death, not only in the United States, but in many parts of the world. Why do they affect so many people? Well, heart disease is so prevalent because the risk factors that lead to the development of heart disease are really widespread. Uh, the major risk factors that lead to heart disease are things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking. And we also know that diabetes and obesity and family history contribute really significantly to the development of cardiovascular disease. So if you look at the current population, we know that about half of Americans, and 47% based on the CDC, have at least one of three major risk factors that lead them to develop cardiovascular disease. Oh, wow. Now, um, heart disease kills one in four people in the United States, but I've heard estimates that as many as 90% of these deaths could be preventable. Do you think that's likely? I think it's hard to say exactly what percentage of the deaths could be preventable, um, but we know by managing the risk factors better that a lot of the uh, morbidity and the mortality from cardiovascular disease could be mitigated. Mm -hmm. So what types of people are most at risk? You said there were three major risk factors. They're, really, when I talk to patients about their heart disease and development of cardiovascular disease, I talk about six major risk factors. Mm -hmm. So things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, smoking, and then family history, the genetic component that is always kind of the wild factor in that. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, I'm looking here at Charles and Elizabeth, and neither one of them uh, seem to be in, you know, obese or uh, anything like that. Did you have any of the risk factors that... Dr. O'Keefe is describing? I became diabetic um, two years before mm -hmm. I was diagnosed or I started having symptoms. Type 2 diabetes? Uh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had um, or I have had high blood pressure for probably a couple of years, but it was, I wouldn't think that it was extremely high, mm -hmm. but uh, I'd been on medication for it for a while. Now, did either mm -hmm. of you have any family history? Yes. My... Um, uh, my dad, a uh, couple of other relatives have uh, died of um, heart attack mm -hmm. and uh, definitely a, a risk in the family, yes. Mm -hmm. My younger brother had a heart attack, um, but his was more um, related to cholesterol mm -hmm. and some overweight in the abdomen area, I should mm -hmm. say. Okay. Did either of you ever smoke when you were younger? Or? No. No. I smoked until uh, 1979 when our daughter was born, mm -hmm. and uh, that's when I quit. So that's been about 40 years. Well, good for you. Mm -hmm. So um, since we have both 
Charles and Elizabeth here. I was wondering, Dr. O'Keefe, are, are men and women prone to different types of heart issues? Well, not really. Men and women are both susceptible to coronary disease, valvular heart disease, uh, atrial fibrillation, which is a regular type of heart rhythm. Um, there seems to be this perception or myth out there that men suffer from heart disease more than women. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is in generally not true. If you look at the rates or incidents, women's heart disease rates are very com comparable uh, to men's rates. Um, I do think women, however, do not recognize the danger as much as men do. I do think that awareness is changing a bit recently, especially with some of the American Heart Association campaigns, such as the Go Red for Women campaign, mm -hmm. um, that the awareness is, is definitely getting better. Uh, with regards to women, there are some conditions that uh, women have specifically that increases their risk for cardiovascular disease. Like what? Uh, that's things such as women who were diagnosed during their pregnancy with diabetes or high blood pressure, mm -hmm. uh, women who go through menopause before age 45, and women that have uh, endometriosis. So those, Which is what? Sure. Endometriosis is uterine tissue that is present outside of the uterus uh, in women. And so those women are at higher risk of developing heart disease and really should be screened early for that. Mm -hmm. Now, if a healthy adult has never had any prior heart trouble, what kind of warning signs should encourage them to seek medical help? Typically, the classic symptoms are chest pain and chest pressure. People feel like an elephant is sitting on their chest or heaviness in the kind of the mid-sternal region. Um, that's a very classic sign of heart attack. But Heart disease and heart attack can even be much more subtle than that, and there can be uh, many other symptoms such as nausea, um, pain in the jaw or the back, uh, dizziness. There can be sweating. Um, there can also be shortness of breath or just fatigue that can signal that you have heart trouble. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are all things that should prompt medical attention if that's a new symptom. And women are more likely than men to have those atypical symptoms, to not have that crushing chest pain uh, that is classic for a heart attack. Okay. Now, Elizabeth, you had never had any kind of heart problem up until the mm -hmm. point where you were first diagnosed. What was the first sign that you had that something was amiss? Well, I've always been active, mm -hmm. and I noticed in um, the spring of 2017 that um, I was starting, if I would start out to walk quickly, I do a lot of outdoor work in the summer, if I would start to walk quickly. You guys have a farm, right? Uh, no, we don't have a farm. We just live out in the country in mm -hmm. the woods, and I love to garden uh, flowers and so forth. But I um, noticed that I would have a slight pressure in my abdomen. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't hurt. There was no pain. And then it would go away fairly quickly. Um, I had an appointment with my regular doctor on uh, in, in June of that year. And unfortunately, I didn't say anything about it because I didn't know if I was how to describe that uh, what was going on? What was going on? And so the same thing happened, not frequently, but once in a while in the summer. In September of that same year, I had a, a my regular appointment with the doctor, and I again did not say anything because I didn't know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. December came, uh, and a friend of mine said, "I think you need to tell your doctor. It sounds like a blockage." So I saw my doctor three days later, and at the very end of my appointment, I said, "Oh, by the way," and the doctor jumped right on it. Um, did an EKG in the in the room, and from there, right then and there, everything kind of rolled. And so, did you go straight to the TriHealth Heart Institute after that? 
Um, I, the, I met with a cardiologist who then the following week did a heart cath. And from the heart cath, uh, I was sent down to Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Charles, what was it like for you? Now, you, you and Elizabeth had similar conditions fairly close to each other, didn't you? Uh, six months. Yeah, it, was, it was really close, but it was a surprise to me. I had no idea that I had any condition at all with the um, with the heart. Mm-hmm. And What was your first clue? Well, I started having um, sort of fatigue, tiredness, a uh, little achy back, and I had my six months... Uh, doctor's appointment, and almost in passing, I told him that I've been feeling a little tired. And after the exam, he he says, I really don't uh, see anything, but I think you probably ought to see a cardiologist to uh, uh, check out your heart. Mm-hmm. So I did that a couple of days later, and he didn't really, he's, I think he said he sort of had, I might have had a sort of a heart murmur, but it wasn't anything really to be concerned about too much. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to do a stress test, and uh, we did that. And even after the stress test, I thought, I'm going to be home this afternoon. And he said... Didn't work out that way. Well, no, I could tell something was amiss when he was didn't say a whole lot. So I asked him, and he said, well, there are some abnormalities, and we probably ought to do a catheterization to... Uh, Mm-hmm. to find out what's going on, and that we did probably the next day. And uh, that was where the blockages were uh, uh, showed up. Mm-hmm. And there was no doubt about them because he turned the monitor around so I could see those. And uh, I think the next day um, he sent me down to Bethesda North. I think that was on a Thursday. And Dr. Mm-hmm. O'Keefe did, did surgery the on surgery Friday. on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was all over in, you know, a couple of days. But mm-hmm. uh, the hospital stay was not the most comfortable. But uh, I really can say one thing, that I received fantastic care while we were at the uh, uh, Bethesda North. And um, everyone, and especially Dr. O'Keefe, was um, super and went home. And um, I've been fine since. Oh, good. Dr. O'Keefe, we've heard the term heart cath a couple of times in the conversation. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that is for the benefit of our listeners? Sure. A heart cath is short for heart catheterization, which is basically an angiogram or an invasive procedure that lets us look at the blood vessels with dye that's run through the blood system. Mm -hmm. Uh, So these procedures are performed by cardiologists. Uh, Our interventional cardiologists do those. And at TriHealth Heart Institute, we have a a great group of cardiologists that uh, participate and do those interventions. A lot of times, the heart catheterization will lead to a stent or a procedure in the cath lab itself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it leads to meeting a cardiac surgeon because the disease is such that it would be better served with surgery. Oh, good. Now, you performed both procedures. Is that right, Dr. O'Keefe? Uh, yes, both yes, from both Charles yeah. and Elizabeth, yes, about mm-hmm. six months apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elizabeth had bypass surgery, and then later in the year, Charles had bypass surgery, and I had to replace his valve as well. Mm-hmm. So that heart murmur that his cardiologist had heard mm-hmm. uh, ended up being a, a significant enough abnormality that I replaced the valve during his bypass operation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Charles, you had said that uh, you were recovering pretty quickly. Elizabeth, mm-hmm. how long was it before you were back on your feet? I think I did. I, I, really well 
as far as recovering, I was um, back doing as much as I normally do, I would say within a month. Oh, excellent. And just mm. carrying on. Now, Dr. O'Keefe, you did minimally invasive procedures on both of them. Is that correct? No. Uh, both oh, Charles yeah. and Elizabeth had a standard sternotomy. Oh, really? Uh, because of the number of blockages that they had, they required mm -hmm. a traditional bypass surgery to fix that. I see. We do at TriHealth Heart Institute try as much as possible to use minimally invasive techniques. Sometimes the patient's anatomy just doesn't allow us to do that. Uh, and so in both cases, we uh, did the full sternotomy. And that usually requires a good 8 to 12 weeks of, of precautions while that breastbone heals. Mm -hmm. um, but long-term, the recovery is very good for patients, even if they have to have traditional sternotomy. Okay. So we mentioned earlier that a lot of these conditions can, can be prevented. I guess, what's the best defense mm -hmm. against heart disease, especially as we get older? I think the most important thing is to know what's going on with your numbers, the specific numbers that we look at, uh, and that's your blood pressure your cholesterol level, and your blood sugar level. Mm -hmm. um, by knowing those pieces of information, you can then act on it early and can hopefully prevent, as we were talking about earlier, some of the heart disease that can uh, develop. So having a good relationship with your primary care physician is really important, having regular checkups. And the other part as we get older is watching what we eat, watching our diet, uh, and then moderate exercise at least three to five times a week. We'd like to say at least 45 minutes of cardiovascular exercise. It's sometimes hard for everyone to get that in, but mm. it's really important, especially as we age, that we maintain that. 45 mm. minutes a week? or uh, Each uh, session. Oh, each session, yeah, 45 three, minutes. Three yeah. to five times a week. Gotcha. That's right. Mm. All right. So, uh, Charles, Elizabeth, what advice would you give to someone else who you know, sort of had symptoms like yours or was considering a similar procedure? Well, I think Dr. O'Keefe mentioned the regular checkups. That's probably, to me, is one of the most important things is to uh, have those checkups and to not hesitate to mention something that you might think is minor and let the doctor figure it out from there. Uh, because I didn't, I really didn't think anything was seriously wrong with me. And uh, it proved otherwise. So it was the checkup that. Uh, and the, of course, the doctor's, um, uh, you know, willingness to uh, follow up on it and so forth. And I would have to agree with Charles as far as um, just, especially women, don't hesitate. I never dreamed that I would have a problem with my heart, and I should have talked to the doctor a good nine months before I did. So just let your, as Charles said, let your doctor figure it out. All right. Well, we're glad you did eventually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, to wrap up, Dr. O'Keefe, there's a lot of research going on in uh, cardiovascular mm -hmm. care today. So, uh, what, what are the most exciting developments that you're seeing right now? Well, of course, for me, the most exciting research is always in my field of interest, which is cardiac surgery. Mm -hmm. um, you, as you look out there, there's many medications and different trials and things going on for all aspects of heart disease and heart care. But um, for me, we're seeing a lot of developments right now with minimally invasive valve surgery and transcatheter valves and also uh, figuring out ways to get valves implemented through smaller incisions and uh, having the recovery be faster for patients. So that's been very exciting to see. Um, there's also a lot of great progress out there for the treatment of end-stage heart failure, which is a particular interest uh, of mine. And uh, working with those devices to minimize the complications and, again, make the devices smaller for implementation. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think those are really exciting areas of interest. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're looking forward to 
hearing what new developments come down the line. Dr. O'Keefe, Elizabeth, Charles, thank you so much for joining us on Health Talk today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. You've been listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, where leading local care professionals help you to stay up to date on proactive healthcare strategies and to live a healthier lifestyle. New episodes of Health Talk by TriHealth are released on the first Tuesday of every month. I hope you'll join us next time. You can listen to Health Talk online at trihealth.com or search for Health Talk by TriHealth on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or your favorite podcast source. This is Tom Tumbush. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It should not be relied upon to make a diagnosis or for treatment purposes, and this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact TriHealth to make an appointment if medical attention is needed. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals interviewed and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of TriHealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast is the copyrighted work of TriHealth, which owns the exclusive rights thereto. Unauthorized use, copying, and dissemination are illegal. Copyright 2019, TriHealth. All rights reserved.